You may have heard about the recent decision by the federal government to reject Qatar Airways' proposal to fly 21 additional services into Australia, which would almost double its existing operation of 28 flights each week. The decision has been widely criticised from industry leaders who have claimed that airfares would have been lowered by allowing Qatar Airways more capacity. Several Labor MPs justified the move as being in Australia's national interest. However, this rationalisation is vague and difficult to define and has only further raised eyebrows. Further reports have since come to light claiming that Qantas, Australia's national airline, lobbied the government against the proposal. However, Anthony Albanese has denied these claims. I'm thankful to be joined by an expert in the field of business ethics, Dr Simon Burgess from the UNE Business School. Dr Burgess has a wide spectrum of research interests that include ethical leadership, business ethics, civility and reconciliation. He teaches business ethics at both an undergraduate and postgraduate level and supervises topics related to business and professional ethics and ethical leadership at a HDR level. Dr Burgess, thank you so much for being willing to share your knowledge with our listeners today. No problems, Ben. Nice to be here. Likewise. So firstly, could you define business ethics to our listeners who may not have heard of the term before and explain why it's important? Well, it, it's a matter of um, knowing what your values are and your principles, understanding what uh, the right objectives for you and your organisation are. Having a lot of self-awareness is, is very helpful for all sorts of leaders, but particularly for um, reasons of, of showing that integrity and gaining trust with those with whom you work. And one of the main themes within your work is ethical leadership. Could you talk to us a little bit about that? Well, I place a fair bit of emphasis on what we sometimes call authentic leadership, which um, does have a lot to do with knowing what your values are, uh, knowing what you expect of others, uh, being able to uh, defend your decisions by having a good awareness of what your principles and virtues and uh, expectations are of others. So it often comes back to self-awareness and the ability to uh, be transparent and defend your, your actions and your intentions to others. Do you tend to notice a connection between businesses that say act ethically and lead from an authentic standpoint and with businesses that tend to be more successful? There's complex research about that. Um, I think there is a general correlation between the two. Showing causation is is a more complex matter. But um, yeah, I tend to think that um, uh, being an ethical leader tends to make you a more effective leader as well. That's right. And why is ethical leadership so important to such a large multi-million dollar company like Qantas? An organisation like Qantas has a lot of shareholders, um, a lot of stakeholders, I should say, but those include shareholders, their customers, their own staff members, their affiliate airlines. So they need to maintain a lot of relationships. And the best way and the easiest way to do that is to show integrity and transparency in everything that you do. And it's going to be easier for people to obviously trust you from a consumer point of view and want to uh, use your business and shop your business if they believe that you're acting with integrity and positive ethics. That's right. Now, if Qantas did lobby the government against Qatar Airways' expansion bid, if those reports are indeed true, do you think this was an example of ethical behaviour? To advance your own interests uh, within a, a defensible legal framework is, is generally quite, quite okay, I think. Um, the arguments that they could advance against Qatar Air, Airlines in particular, though, are not that easy to see. Um, in general, the idea that, you, that it is defensible to uh, expect uh, the, the government of the day to be running a protection record for you, <laughs> that's another matter. So do we've seen, obviously, a lot of criticism and controversy surrounding Qantas in the last few days following these reports. Do you think then that peop- that the it seems like one of the major knee-jerk reactions that we're seeing is to decry Qantas's reported behaviour as unethical. Do you think then this is a little bit 
of an exaggeration? Well, I think um, a lot of Qantas's bad publicity of late has come around for reasons not particularly related to the Qatar decision. A lot of it has been to do with the fact that they enjoyed so much government largesse during the pandemic uh, to help sustain them. Uh, they have refused to pay that money back. They have... Um, profited uh, extraordinarily in spite of the pandemic, which is kind of impressive in a way, but it has been done largely through a massive government level of support. Um, so I think uh, there's also the fact that um, Alan Joyce, the CEO who's now departed, uh, he did enjoy a large bonus, where he gave, allowed himself to get a large bonus. Um, it was Some of it was reduced, I understand, but um, uh, he had himself given a large bonus in spite of the somewhat contentious uh, performance record that he showed over the last uh, few years. That was actually going to be uh, my next question. Now, as we know, uh, Qantas has received very heavy criticism over the years, and especially in the recent days, following the revelation that the company has posted a profit of nearly $2.5 billion in this financial year, despite as yet refusing to return around $700 million that it received in JobKeeper subsidies. While it is important to keep in mind that last financial year the airline posted a loss of over $1.8 billion, do you think that paying back these JobKeeper job subsidies would be a good decision from an ethical standpoint? Well, that's a, that's a tricky one, to be honest, I think. Um, when it's still within the... Uh, it's within the government's right to, to demand it back, um, uh, but uh, it would also show bad faith uh, in every time that they do offer to offer bailouts to, to then ask for the money back when that wasn't part of the condition of its offering. Um, I think to, um, to defend in the interests of your own uh, shareholders and other stakeholders, um, even though that's against the interest of the taxpayer, uh, that is, you, you might argue, the job of the CEO. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's potentially defensible to say that we're not giving this back until you demand it. No, that's fair enough, and that is a good uh, point to remember that every that even though uh, there is a large amount of criticism out there, at the end of the day, Qantas's main or and any company's main uh, main I guess loyalty is going to be to the stakeholders and shareholders of that company. Otherwise, you're not going to be in business for very long. Potentially, that's right. And given that, uh, obviously, we're still seeing fallout, and I know that Alan Joyce, before he left, he was facing Senate inquiries. Now, whether or not these reports of lobbying are true, uh, we are not. We cannot be 100% conclusive one way or the other. So everything is very much reported and uh, alleged at this point in time. We're certainly not saying uh, anything one way or the other. Now, uh, turning to, as we mentioned before, Qantas's extreme profit because I think to any layperson two and a half billion dollars in profit a year is sizable um, we've seen obviously the costs of airfare and flights over the last year or mainly since the pandemic skyrocket um, flights that would have cost around a thousand dollars pre-pandemic now shooting up to around two and a half grand and I know that because I uh, right before the pandemic, I flew, and I know how much that cost compared to how much it would cost now. In the wake of posting such immense profit, is it justifiable to keep prices at this record high? I don't really think the profit is the major issue there. I, I think the, the lack of competition yep. is the major issue, and the Transport Minister Catherine King's decision to uh, reject the application of Qatar Airlines to provide that competition, uh, which can and is generally is expected to reduce prices and provide a better level of service for those consumers, such as you, 
Um, that's that's the main issue. Uh, you expect massive profits from massive corporations. We've got a massive number of shareholders. And that's and given that you just mentioned the the lack of competition, that is again furthering, I guess. Uh, indignation uh, by a lot of people considering that this move by Qatar would have provided more competition and competition breeds innovation and hopefully uh, lowers airfares. So I think that's where a lot of the criticism has come from. Do you think this criticism is justified? Well, there's a personal view, but yes, I do. Uh, and I think that uh, Catherine King has um, shown herself to be shown herself to have struggled with the relevant principles and objectives that she was applying or seeking to apply, if any, uh, when she came to that decision to reject Qatar Airlines' application for greater access to our airports, particularly our, our major airports in the, in the five big cities. Certainly, and hopefully, um, I know Qantas have said in the last few days that uh, we are going to be seeing airfares reduce in the next couple of months to maybe a year. Maybe that will be true, maybe that won't be. Uh, but it is, I think, important to keep in mind that even though uh, it seems on a very surface level to be unethical and against Australia's best interests, I think that a lot of people, uh, especially those who are very quick to criticise one way or the other, need to maybe consider that the situation might be a little more nuanced than it appears. Do you think that would be a fair assessment? Yes, I mean, and I think it's a complex issue. It's, it's difficult to, 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 to form a well-rounded view uh, without really sort of looking at the details. That's right. And and there aren't, there aren't very many people um, who have a really clear idea of, well, do I genuinely believe in a competitive market economy with regard to this particular industry? Or do I believe in a bit of market protection for particularly an industry which some would argue has um, a kind of national importance because of its... Um, uh, because of its potential for uh, work in relation to emergency or defence work. Um, so there are reasons why some people will say, I'm not saying that I def defend this view myself, but there are some who will say that there are, um, there's something special about international airlines um, when they're you know, such as Qantas, um, because in cases of a national emergency and, and uh, warfare, uh, they, they can be used for special purposes. And we've seen in, late, in obviously, uh, we've just recently seen that Alan Joyce is departing Qantas, um, bringing forward his uh, retirement uh, by a couple of months. And we see that now Qantas, presumably, there's going to be a bit of a, I think I've, I've heard thrown around that there's going to be an attempt to improve their image and obviously PR situation because there's been a few things over the last few years that have been not great in that regard. Do you think there is a link between businesses that act ethically and businesses that receive good PR and have a good image with uh, consumers? I definitely think so. Um, and they have to, it's a slow process to, to establish and maintain that trust, I think, with your consumers. Um, one that's, uh, I think, diabolically bad, which we haven't mentioned yet, is the fact that um, Qantas appears to have uh, been selling flights, which they didn't actually plan to offer. Um, they were later, they were withdrawn at some stage. It's not clear whether that was something that they did knowingly or whether there was some sort of systems failure. But uh, they were selling tickets for airline for flights, which uh, some people, at least in the organisation, knew would not actually be taking off. And that would be, in your opinion, an example of, if not um, acting in very bad faith, poor ethics. Well, again, I'd, I'd emphasise that we don't yet know for certain whether this was a matter of systems failure, and you know, you might argue a kind of incompetence or lack of oversight, or whether it was basically fraud, whether it was intentional and fully knowing, done with, you know, 
full uh, understanding of what was going on. That seems somewhat doubtful to me that it could have been done with great knowledge from all those involved. And that um, that sort of that sort of leads to what I to what I'm I guess uh, sort of uh, assessing uh, and getting to. Do you think that uh, it's better to assume that there could have in situations such as this, it's better to assume that there may have been an issue with. Uh, organizational systems or communications rather than immediately uh, assuming that the decisions were made with from a poor ethical standpoint that's right I, th- I think we should we should give people the benefit of the doubt um, we, we, we should keep them an open mind as to how this this problem egregious though it was how it occurred and I think that's um, the the one phrase that I've, I remember hearing many years ago, and I apologise if I'm misquoting it, uh, was never attribute to malice what can easily be attributed to laziness. Absolutely, or, or incompetence. Incompetence. And I think that's something that, I think that's, that it's important to keep that in mind as well, that even though something might appear to be unethical on the surface, it could just be an example of a mistake. Exactly, yeah. Someone being lazy. <laughs> yeah. Dr. Burgess, thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure, Ben. No problem. Uh, you're listening to 106.9 here on Tune FM on the home of UNE's student powered radio.